Think of that commandment for a moment, uh, to love one another, as being like a beautiful, enormous gemstone, priceless. And it's been shaped and honed to perfection. And that gemstone has many different facets. And when you look at each one, you see a different aspect of the whole. When you look at this jewel, love one another, and the different facets, you see a different way in which we are to love one another. But as we go through our series, let's never lose sight of the fact that it's all about loving one another. Now, you might think commanding someone to love someone else is a bit strong. I mean, we don't choose who we fall in love with, do we? But it's not that sort of love. This is where we reach one of the limitations of the English language. We've got one word for love. Ancient Greek, the language of the New Testament, has four. And here we're talking about agape love, not a mushy, romantic love, not based on feelings. It's a very practical love that actively wants the best for the other people. There's a danger in this series that we could turn it into a sort of self-improvement process for the church. We try and do all these things in our own strength. And if we do, folks, we're doomed to fail. We need the help of God's Spirit in us, between us, around us, through us, among us, to help us individually and collectively to change so that we more fully look like Jesus. There's a second danger. We might see this series as a bit like a school report that says, must do better. And kind of beat ourselves up for not being the sort of church that God wants us to be. Well, that's not how God works. And we need to call on his spirit again to help us to immerse ourselves in prayer in all that we are doing. And rather than this being a must do better sort of school report, it's as if, as God's Spirit comes alongside us, the teacher comes and sits next to us and says, let me help you. That's God's way of working. And remember, too, that Jesus said we should love one another as he has loved us. We're to show the same sort of love that Jesus lavishes on us. That agape love that chooses to want the best for other people. That love that sees people the same way God sees them. That everyone is equal. Everyone is valuable beyond price. And everyone, as God looks at us, is someone that he considered Jesus worth dying for. When we look at these different facets of loving one another through this series, we can see them as practical ways to show that love to one another. Because agape love is practical. It's positive. It's constructive. It's not selfish. It's not destructive. So let's never lose the one another part of this We've sometimes used the one-anothering phrase to try and encapsulate this. 
Often I give married couples advice in the preparation for their wedding that they can do much worse and not a lot better than spending their life trying to bless the other person's socks off. If just one of them is doing it, the relationship is lopsided and exploitative. But if both are doing it together, then the relationship flourishes. Each of them wants the best for the other person, and both of them end up being blessed. Well, that same principle applies in churches, I believe. That if we're all blessing one another, then everyone gets blessed. What an amazing community that is. Where nobody is neglected, nobody feels invisible, nobody feels unimportant. But this isn't about building a cosy, comfortable, lovely community where we will feel happy. It's about being a community that shows the world beyond these walls what God is like. When people look at Mutley Baptist Church or any other church, they should be able to see what God looks like, what his love looks like because of how we are with one another. So having said all of that, and I will remind us of it from time to time through the series, let's have a look at one of the facets of this duel. Now, I had sent out on Facebook, you may have seen uh, a kind of uh, slide that uh, gives a hint as to what each one another will be. I'll try and do one each week. Um, I do apologize right now because they include an element of my sense of humor and also uh, some revelation about the way my brain works. Um, but you know the theme for today, serve one another. And that was the picture. I had one or two people saying, what's it got to do with tennis? Well, actually, the original sense of serve in a tennis match wasn't how can I smash the ball at 150 miles an hour past my opponent and score a point. It was actually an underarm serve that you give them the ball so that the game can start. Serve may seem like a kind of wishy-washy sort of thing. It's not exciting, is it? It's not going to make headlines in the news. It's a kind of behind-the-scenes sort of word, as we heard earlier on with Beth. Now, the word that the Bible uses here for serve is a really strong word. It's actually the same word that's used for slavery. You could translate this verse as be a slave to one another in love. But the word slave comes with all sorts of negative, shameful, horrendous acts through history, even modern day slavery. To be a slave is to be subjected to bullying, humiliation, violence, a loss of personhood. You don't have a choice, you have to obey your master. And there's no place in God's family, in God's way of life, for those sorts of things. And there's no place in his church. They're exactly the opposite of the sort of life to which we are called as followers of Jesus. So rather than risking people by using that word, let's reflect the strength of the word by kind of turning up serve to 11 by including another of the one another's at this point. We'll explore it later on in our series. But elsewhere, Paul writes, be devoted to one another in love. If we're devoted to one another in love, 
The nature of serving changes from simply just being kind to other people to wanting each other to flourish. Wanting to bless each other's socks off, if you like, because we're devoted to each other. Let's remind ourselves that we serve one another because we love one another. That's what Paul wrote, isn't it? Serve one another humbly in love. In the preceding paragraphs of the letter before the passage that Lynn read, Paul has been writing to the churches in the region of Galatia about the newfound freedom we have as followers of Jesus. Freedom from following all of the religious rules, all of the outward signs of religious allegiance. And then in the beginning part of the passage that uh, we read, um, he really has a go at the concept of circumcision. Um, and it feels like he gets a bit carried away when he says he wishes they'd emasculate themselves. Um, but basically what he's trying to say is all these outward signs of religious allegiance do not matter anymore. And in verse 6, Lynn read for us these words, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Hold those thoughts. Bring them with you as we read verse 13 again. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. The rules don't matter. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And if you carried on beyond verse 15, you would read how Paul is describing how it's our sinful inclination to do things that take us away from God, but that God's Spirit is growing fruit within us that actually is far more significant and far more important. And we looked at that in our series last year. Did you notice that? Paul's been talking about uh, freedom, and then he says, don't indulge yourselves, but serve one another humbly in love. Serving one another is actually the antidote to self-indulgence. Putting other people before ourselves, taking your attention away from yourself and focusing it on somebody else, actually means we'll be less inclined to focus on our own selfishness, our own desires. We spend our time, our resources, our energy looking for the other rather than ourselves. It may help if you think of it like this. If you are steering a boat and you're just focused on the inside of the boat, you are going to steer all over the place. You won't be steering a straight line. To steer a straight line in a boat, you have to look out, you have to look beyond, you have to look to the future, you have to look to the horizon. If we look out to serve the needs of others, we'll stay on course. That's what Paul is trying to say. And this is a really practical thing that we can do. But it starts practically with praying. Praying for forgiveness, for those times when we haven't followed that commandment from Jesus in the way that he wants. Praying that God's Spirit will truly help us to love one another. Praying that he will open our eyes to the needs of those around us. That he'll prompt us 
to do something about it. Praying that God's Spirit will break through our polite indifference and enable us to see other people as God sees them. To love one another as Jesus loves us. And we can ask God's Spirit to help us get a a glimpse of Jesus in the other people around us. Didn't Jesus say that if we are serving someone else in a practical way, feeding them, clothing them, visiting them, we are serving him. As much as you did it to that person, you did it to me, he says. Well, so we can see him in other people then. We meet God in serving other people. Every person carries the image of God in us, a spark of the divine. Ask God's Spirit to help you to see him, perhaps in the grateful smile of someone you've helped, or in the satisfaction of a job well done and the transformation that that maybe has brought about. Ask him to help you glimpse his, I will never leave you, when you spend time with someone struggling whom you have befriended. I have some friends who are keen photographers, and they are always looking for the next photograph. They don't quite have the camera always around their neck, but it's always close to hand, and they're looking at, oh, that would make a good photo. Oh, yeah, I can take a picture of that. Well, Jesus wants us to serve like that, always to be looking out for the opportunity to serve. Looking, where can I serve next? What can I do to help that person? And if we're all doing that, if we're all looking to serve one another in that way, then the blessing will grow for each one of us. So, right now, very practically, I want you to look around at one another. If you're on Zoom, look at the other people on your screen. Each person you are looking at is someone Jesus wants you to love. And to show that love by serving them. Now, as you look around, there may well be some people you don't recognise or you don't know. Well, how are you going to serve them? You can't serve them if you don't know them. You're going to have to speak to them. And actually, the same is true for all of the one another's. They only really work if we know one another. We're going to have to talk with one another, get to know one another, listen to one another. It's actually a shame at the moment we don't have refreshments after the service, because that's a really good time to do that sort of thing. But don't feel that you've got to have a cup of tea or coffee in your hand in order to go and talk to someone after this service. If you don't have to rush off this morning, go and find someone you don't know. Start to talk to them, ask them their name. Start to find ways in which you might be able to serve them. The same if you're on Zoom, stay for the Zoom chat. Talk to those who are on Zoom. Listen to what people are sharing and perhaps, ah, I could serve them. Jesus had a brilliant question that he asked. I love this question. What do you want me to do for you? That's a service question. What do you want me to do for you? If we ask that of one another, 
What might God say to us? What might the other person say to us? But let's not be shy of asking it. Move beyond the smiling nicely and nodding at one another that Christians tend to do. Get to a place where we know one another. We love one another. And show it in the way that we serve one another. It's a gift that we can give to one another. It may be practical. I know already that some of you give lifts to other people, cook meals for others, help them out around the home. I'm sure there's plenty of other practical ways in which you help other people and serve them. You might be a very practical person for whom DIY doesn't mean destroy it yourself. But what gifts, what talents, what resources do you have that you could offer to serve somebody else? What might God want you to do with what he's given you to serve other people? You might be thinking, well, I don't know about all of those practical things. Well, it's also relational. We can serve someone by lending them our ear to listen to them or our shoulder for them to cry on or simply our presence to be with them if they are lonely. Offering to pray for someone is actually incredible. If nothing else, how can I pray for you is a brilliant question to ask and actually will be really uplifting for the person you're asking. Consider the needs of others as more important than yourself, says the Bible. It involves making yourself vulnerable because there's a risk that someone might exploit your good nature. There's the risk that if you serve somebody else, your needs might go unmet. But if we're all serving one another, if we're all looking out for one another, then the blessing is multiplied. I would also say that if you need serving, don't be afraid to ask. It's all right to admit that you need help, to ask somebody else, do you think you could? And I haven't even begun to touch on all of the things that Beth was drawing our attention to earlier on in this service, actually serving in the activities of this church. We mentioned bigger tables, soup run, busy bees, supernova, supernova the youth activities, people who've led our singing today, stewards, sound video operators, those who set up the Zoom church, those who serve our children and young people. There's so many different ways in which we serve through this church and there's always room for more people to get involved. But at the risk of really shooting myself in the foot, because we could always do with more people to help with everything, don't do it to replace serving other people face-to-face, one-to-one. Love one another and do so by serving one another is a personal thing. It's not simply a corporate thing. So don't, don't stop doing the serving of another to serve everyone. And the group leaders can come and have a go at me afterwards if I've just got rid of some of their volunteers. In a moment, we're going to sing before we share bread and wine in communion. And as we do, I want, you to, I want to invite you as we sing to ask God to show you how he wants you to respond to this. Because it's how it starts. God's spirit prompts us. He changes our hearts. 
Are there ways he wants us to continue showing love by serving another? Are there new ways he wants us to show that love? Who are the people God wants you to serve? What gifts, talents, experience, resources might he want you to offer in service? Because in serving one another, we are showing a facet of how it means that we love one another. I'm going to invite the music group to come up. And as they do, let's pray together briefly. Lord, we thank you for your supreme example in Jesus of how to serve others. And we pray that you will help us. Give us your spirit afresh. Give us eyes, the photographer eyes, looking out for the opportunities to serve. Give us the courage and the will and the intention to do so. Lord, we pray that as we do so, your love will be shown more clearly in us and through us to those around us. Amen.